We were designed for deep and intimate connection, but far too often we find ourselves on relational autopilot. You want the marriage you dreamed of, not the marriage that you're settling for. Each week we share personal and professional stories, giving you tools and guidance, empowering you to restore and reimagine the marriage you always wanted. Welcome to the Thrive Marriage Podcast. This week, we are going to talk about our, um, our thoughts around something that, uh, that stood out to Chris and I after we had a conversation with Julie Slattery recently. And one of the things that Julie talked about, um, and she, her new book is on sexuality, but she talked about the idea, the concept that we can't bring all of ourselves, we struggle to bring all of ourselves into the marriage space in the realm of sexuality because we've mortgaged ourselves, meaning there are other, you know, there are other people or there are other things, beliefs, ideas, something that has some sense of ownership over our sexuality and makes it then impossible for us to be free to bring all of that. And, uh, so I just, you know, as we're, we're having this conversation, we're sitting downstairs at our kitchen table, our kids are upstairs. Um, it's a podcast and, and this is such personal, this is just such personal space. Oh my. So I just want to oh yes. name that. Yeah. You know, and, and Trace, uh, candidly, I'll, I'll reveal it. This is actually take two of this podcast for us. Um, we'd started 30, 45 seconds into um, recording this this podcast, and uh, I got a, a cell phone call from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And, Speaking and, of feeling mortgaged, yeah, talking about sending me sending me back, and I think the reason why is because mortgaging my sexuality started even before I became sexually active as a small child, and I mortgaged my eyes, my my. Um, Family, I'd say we were a pretty close-knit family, but there was a sense of privacy that we never had in our home. Um, we had one bathroom, uh, and we had two official bedrooms, but then we built bedrooms upstairs and downstairs, so we kind of got you know four spaces for bedding. But with four kids in one bathroom, uh, we are in and out of those private spaces. So walking into a bathroom uh, when, when you're doing your business or walking into a, a bathroom when someone else is in the tub. And I can remember that for more years than I should have. Or showering. Uh, I mean, and that was long. That did not just, yeah. that just was how it was in it, your house. That was how it was after I came into the picture. And yeah, I'm well, like, the doors are locked. Well, <laughs> like doors, <it> nothing. <laughs> in, uh, so we had a, a Victorian style home. So the one bathroom was upstairs. It only had a claw foot tub. So if you wanted mm-hmm. to shower, uh, there literally was a drain in the basement, the cement mm-hmm. floor. And so you just uh, strung up a shower curtain, you nailed it to the, the floor joists of the main floor, and you literally showered just in the basement. And all there was between you and people walking by uh, the hallway was a, a, a plastic curtain. And, and so there was this sense uh, of privacy, of personal... Like a lack of privacy. Yeah, it just... So everybody owned the space. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that, there was a sense of security and safety uh, that was diminished uh, in my home. And, and perhaps more so, there was a sense of familiarity mm-hmm. that uh, with stages of undress that, that 
we have not made a practice of, of having it in our home. I would say, in fact, you are incredibly protective of that. Yeah. And, ha- and have and always have been. Um, I mean, and the kids have, I mean, there, there has been some laughter around, you know, your standards of, you know, the number of layers of clothing that you need to have on yeah. if you're going to be in the public space. And it's yeah. just funny the way you talk about it. But I, but I have always been grateful because it's a level of, uh, of teaching our girls and of teaching our son the, the importance of uh, protecting and valuing your body. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there was uh, Dan Allender gave me a word now approaching two decades ago, and, and uh, the word was proprietary. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that are meant to be private, but, but not most. Most are simply proprietary. And so uh, you share with someone, but you're absolutely free to not share with everyone. That's proprietary information or proprietary um, uh, yeah. And so it, it just has given me permission to not share with everyone, everything all the time. So that's how we're coming into this. We'll be very careful with our proprietary <laughs> yeah. information that we're going to share as we talk personally. Well, and I'll tell so, you what, Tracy, I feel such shame in this, in this topic because um, there are varying uh, relationships of varying degrees. Um, but I think of the girls I've, I've kissed and I've kissed too many girls in my life to be, um, to honor truly what a kiss is meant to be and the message that that's meant to carry. And, um, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg, but, but I feel shame about that. So, uh, what I, what I have to wrestle with is where, where I need to sorrow over those places that I would, uh, that I really mortgaged, I think is the word we're using this week. And when you and I got married, neither one of us would have said, did not say and would not say for a decade and a half that sexual abuse had been part of either one of our stories yeah, yeah. or that and sexual harm. I wouldn't even, would not have been part of the dialogue and was absolutely um, for you and I both a sense of what has been mortgaged and what, what was not then free to be given um, in, in the realm, in the realm of sexual intimacy, for sure. And uh, I, I mean, I, I am very aware of when, of when we were first able to sit and have those, that level of conversation with one another and, and actually be in a space of, of um, shared grief um, over what I don't think either either one of us understood that caused disappointment and tension and hurt and arguments yeah. um, for, for a lot of years. Well, I just, there's so much I didn't understand. And, and one of the things that for me uh, is tied to the word volition or agency. And the, I have a scene of sexual abuse that happened in my home in which I felt uh, out of control. Uh, it was an, a, 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 an authority figure, uh, a parent even, and um, it was clearly understood that I was going to succumb to, to his uh, whim, um, but uh, where I joined him in that process, only that I might feel that I would have volition or control, 
um, that um, was someplace where my sexuality was mortgaged. And for decades after that, figuratively, not, I, I can't remember other sexual instances, but I would expose myself by my volition um, so that I would at least feel in con control. I could control whether you liked me or whether you didn't like me um, because it was my decision uh, and often would act shamelessly um, just to, so I could mitigate uh, my own shame. That was a lot. You just said a lot. Yeah. And I'm, I was trying to even talk cryptically because I can feel um, the blood gathering in my head. Um, these are very powerful memories that I have. Um, very saddening memories that I hold still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you were clear, you know, that, that exposing of yourself, that wasn't a physical exposure. That was a emotional exposure yeah. that you took on in years, in years to come. But, uh, but that, that harm and the sense of powerlessness, um, from that scene when you were just, just a boy was big. Yeah. And that was, that happened when I was nine. And so, mm -hmm. uh, came with me well, well into adulthood and into marriage. And again, like we, we both, we, we both have, have a sense of that kind of space that's been shared. Um, what, so moving outside that realm, you know, cause not everybody has the same Source, level, yeah. right. Of, of that kind of sexual harm moving out of that. What are some other, what, what are other places where you feel like, uh, we've known that, um, Oh, you know, like that idea of, of something, some part being mortgaged. I, I know for me, um, a big thing in the realm of, of sexuality, just the ideas, what I was taught, what I was taught about sex, what I was taught about what a godly woman was, uh, what I was taught about um, uh, arousal and desire, like all of those things, I feel like mortgaged parts of me um, that weren't, that weren't available for us, weren't available for you. Um, and, you know, I, I think about the purity culture came well after I was a kid. I mean, that was something that I feel like uh, was more of a movement when our oldest girls were, we certainly had conversations around purity culture with Katie and Allison. But but I did understand, I mean, sex was just something, you know, you just weren't supposed to do it. Like, don't, don't, don't. And then you get married and it's due. And, uh, and I already had a lot of ideas, uh, you know, by that point, or maybe I didn't have any ideas by that point because it was so don't, don't, don't that, um, that I just remember being so uncomfortable um, and, and feeling so unprepared um, and, and, and probably feeling shame about that uh, too. I think the ideas about a woman and um, I mean, I, my whole red tent living um, the work of that, I think is such an expression of wanting to unmortgage my femininity for myself and for other women. Yeah. Just what it even means to be female, what it even means to feel like I could have a seat at the table. And I know I, 
I felt um, like something was, was flawed in me. And I think you, you experienced my discomfort, my self-contempt, like just my contempt for yeah. myself. Um, and, and so there, it, it created a lot of tension between you and I. And, and as I'm talking right now, I can feel my hand going up. And I think I did that with you, <laughs> just like, like pushing you away in, um, because of my own uncomfortableness with my, with my femininity and with my sexuality. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tracy, I don't, uh, we, we have the framework we've adopted, uh, for good or for bad. We at least understand it. So I'm going to use it as a stepping stone today. Um, but you know, whether that, whether you, you were, went to first base with your, your partner or second base with your partner or third base with your partner, regardless of, of where you advanced, uh, each of those, um, encounters uh, change the way in which uh, you will ultimately encounter um, your spouse, your companion. And um, it, uh, it is, it mortgages though, you, you know, there was a, there was a, a girl that I kissed in high school and for the longest time, she was simply the best uh, kisser that I had ever kissed. And I share that to say, <laughs> Oh my goodness! If you guys could see me sweating on 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 here right the now, the best kisser, the I've best ever kisser kissed. I've ever kissed. And but what happened was I began to, as I began to compare uh, that kiss to other kisses, and and here's what I would say: it, it is that one of the truest statements I could could make uh, as it pertains to encounters. Comparison is always about contempt, and so if she was the best, then I needed to contempt every other girl that I'd ever kissed. And it, it mortgaged uh, a, a kiss for me, if you would, because uh, I couldn't simply enjoy the beauty of placing my lips against the next set of lips, uh, of enjoying that person. Uh, I would compare it to, to the kiss. And so, you know, whether it's a kiss or, or whether it's any other encounter you have uh, with someone, uh, may you truly enjoy each moment with each individual uh, very openly and very honestly. But, but things that have happened in the past make that hard. Make it hard, absolutely. And it, it, not just an encounter. Uh, it could be a song. It could be a place. Mm -hmm. it, it could be people. Uh, there's music that when it comes on the radio, I just, uh, it's proprietary to my memory right now. I don't share that because uh, I cannot escape that that song played in this place at this with time person with that person who yeah. wasn't me. And it wasn't you. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I was uh, a week short of 26 when we got married. Right. And so all the way through uh, college and, and even into to young adulthood, there were relationships that I had uh, that, and, and some, some were very sweet, um, hold very fond memories, but they're simply not memories with you. Right. Right. You know, I'm thinking, um, I remember, uh, there was, there was a, uh, we were getting ready to go on the cru a cruise. I think it was the first time we'd ever gone on a cruise. And, um, and so I had gone shopping to get something, uh, cause I, I needed a dress to wear on this cruise. And I, I came home, I, I went with one of the girls. I think I actually went with Katie and, <clears throat> and two things happened on that shopping trip. 
I had never had a dress that was a halter style. I don't think I've ever, I'd ever even had a halter top because that was like not acceptable. That was not okay. That, I mean, there'd been lots of judgment that I had um, come to understand about halter, halter dress. Uh, and I didn't wear the color red. I'd, I didn't have anything that was red because once upon a time, somebody had told me that uh, red made the acne that I suffered with through most of high school uh, look worse. And so I just decided like those just, those things weren't available. And I remember on that shopping trip that Katie brought this red halter dress. It was beautiful, brought it into the dressing room. She said, mom, you got to try this on. And it was a conscious decision. And by that point, uh, we had already started our own journey of recovery and, and, and into story work. Um, and I, I knew what the choice was that was in front of me. Um, so I, I tried it on and she thought it was beautiful. I, but I remember standing there in the dressing room, having a hard time believing that, that it was beautiful, that it was okay. It could be okay for me to buy that dress and um, brought it home. And, uh, and with that, it was that and another dress brought them both home, figuring I'd only keep one. And, uh, and you loved them both. Yeah. Um, I remember the, the red dress for sure. I mean, just flies out in my memory. I, I think you look spectacular in it. And especially in a warm climate, we were cruising to a tropical destination. And uh, it's like, oh, this is going to be perfect. I think that was, that feels like a moment uh, that, that the mortgage got paid off. Yeah. Like that, that piece got bought back and it was a combination. I couldn't have bought it back just for myself. It, it was, it was with you together that something got bought back. I don't know. I don't think that dress fits me anymore, but it's still upstairs in my closet mm -hmm. because it's just one of those. I'm not, I can't, I won't get rid of that. That one doesn't go away. It doesn't matter whether I can wear it or not. Yeah. It, it, it represents something that is so important. And I, I think we have other, you know, Tracy, I liked the way you just uh, presented that because some place had been mortgaged and th there's a, you bought back the mortgage mm -hmm. in that moment. And Paid it off. Yeah. And I was thinking, uh, having traveled uh, much more than you before we got married, um, uh, there were places that held memories for me and um, there was a sense of risk for me to return to those places. Now, I'm holding this a little bit in, in that, back to that word proprietary. Uh, I, I don't feel an obligation to share with you every moment of every memory that I, that I hold. And so there are places that when I return to today, um, there are places that I hold very, very fond memories with you. Um, and instead, you know, I, I still hold uh, the other memories, but I give preeminent attention to the memories that I forged with you in those places. And so they, they hold far more delight than they hold distraction. And, and so I guess what I would say is as uh, we recognize that we have mortgaged things in our lives, but, but mortgages are, are redeemable and you can pay off that mortgage and, and redeem those moments, those places in many, many cases, and perhaps not in all cases, um, but there's hope uh, that joy and contentment and enjoyment can uh, occur uh, in these places of our lives that we've mortgaged things in our, in our sexuality. 
And I think for us, the, the story work that we did, that we've done individually and then, and then that we've done in our marriage, uh, so many places that had, had mortgages before, like we, have, we have visited those together. And I'd say many of those have been paid off and, and we bought those back. But I think the places where, where that is still the case, there is greater compassion and tenderness that we have for each other. Um, and so th- there is less tension. Yeah. I mean, far less tension than there was in the years we didn't, we really didn't understand all of what was driving uh, some of what was interfering with our intimacy at so many different levels, emotionally, sexually, spiritually. Um, but that naming of the, of those places of, of mortgage, and that wouldn't have been the word that we used, but. Um, you, you, and, and I don't know if you've been married five weeks, five months, five years, or five decades as you hear this podcast, but just a, a word of encouragement. We were we were a dozen years into our marriage before any of this language ever even began to creep in. And now we've spent an additional 20 years just trying to refine it and, and own it and wear it and use it and benefit from it. So uh, if, if some of this, uh, so, some of what we're sharing today may feel really old hat, uh, some of it may feel brand new, um, but I would just invite you to entertain it, uh, to hold, hold it loosely uh, mull it around in your hand, to try it on. And if it fits as something that uh, would make your marriage more attractive, then, then by all means, wear it uh, as often as you can. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Marriage Podcast, where each week we're bringing you personal and professional stories to help your relationship. You can learn more about us at restorationcounselingnoco.com or find out more about the Thrive Marriage Lab membership community over in our digital laboratories, restorylabs.com. We open membership up only twice a year, so make sure you join the waitlist to be the first to know. We'll see you same time, same place next week.